Renowned for his eternal wisdom, the book of Proverbs is attributed to King Solomon. Much like Ecclesiastes, it's part of the wisdom literature that we find in the Bible. But whereas Ecclesiastes feels more personal, almost like a memoir of Solomon's, Proverbs is a more objective collection of sayings that are intended to steer one along life's roads without getting lost. A lot of these proverbs are of a more practical nature, cautioning against things like talking too much or being too fond of the drink. Others have a more distinctly spiritual quality. But in this particular text, Solomon writes about wisdom itself. And he proposes that there are, in fact, two kinds of wisdom. One of these being the real thing, God's wisdom, and the other being the conventional wisdom of the world, which is often just folly in disguise. He juxtaposes these two neatly with a similar narrative structure describing each one. In both cases, a woman flags down a lost traveler, but only one of them can help him find his way home. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her animals. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her servant girls and calls from the highest places in the town. You that are simple, turn in here. To those without sense, she says, come eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Lay aside immaturity and live and walk in the way of insight. The foolish woman is loud. She is ignorant and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house, on a seat at the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way, you who are simple, turn in here. And to those without sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But they do not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Amen. Please pray with me. Everlasting God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations upon all of our hearts serve to glorify you. And may they be in keeping always with the teachings and the wisdom of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. So there was a minister once who got lost on the way to a funeral. Trouble is, the burial was up north in a part of the state that the pastor wasn't especially familiar with. And in spite of his best efforts to get there on time, he gets turned around in the backwoods and he becomes hopelessly lost. So after driving around, For two hours, he finally spots the burial plot. He sees a truck and a couple of workmen with sturdy shovels lounging around, apparently waiting for him to show up and do his job. But the hearse and the family have already departed. Humiliated, the pastor apologizes to the men. I'm so sorry I'm late, he tells them. But, you know, I think it's only right that I conduct the service anyway. 
So he invites both of them to stand, and the preacher launches into a passionate sermon about life and death and the promises of God's glory. He's really getting into it, you know, preaching with everything he's got, beads of sweat forming on his brow. The two men with him are inspired, and they're shouting out, Amen, throughout the sermon. And it lasts after some time. The pastor finally concludes the service and walks back to his car. But as he's opening the door, he overhears their conversation. Wow, he hears one of them saying to the other, I've never seen anything like that, and I've been putting in septic tanks for 20 years. That was probably the low point of my ministry. It's a terrible thing, a dreadful feeling, realizing that you're lost. It's a kind of loneliness that stretches out in every direction as far as the eye can see. The world that you know gives way to this strange landscape where streets have no name and familiar landmarks are nowhere to be found. You find yourself wandering in circles until you feel like you're going to go crazy. And in desperation, you start to think to yourself, maybe I'll just stay here. Begin again. Book a room, get a job, put down roots. You could just ask for directions, of course, but some people are too proud to do that. That's why it took Moses 40 years to find his way to the nearest town, or so they say. I was too young at the time to remember the first time that I got well and truly lost. But it was back in the summer of 1984 when my parents took me and my brother to the Durham Fair in Connecticut. And as my mother tells the story, she was playing a game with my older brother. My father and I were wandering around nearby, and he took his eyes off me for a few seconds. And that's all the time I needed to disappear into the thick crowd. My young imagination fixated on something that drew me away. Of course, my parents panicked. They raced around the fairgrounds, asking strangers if anyone had seen a four-year-old boy with bad hair, short shorts, and gigantic plastic eyeglasses. But that's pretty much what everyone looked like in 1984. I'm sure it was scary for me, too, a boy lost in this strange world of giants, clowns, and industrial carnival machines that towered above them all, their gaudy lights luring me further and further away from home. That wasn't the last time I lost my way. Since then, I've boarded the wrong train, taken my fair share of wrong turns, and wandered the alleys and avenues of dangerous neighborhoods without any idea of where I was. I can remember standing on a tall ridge in Uganda, just near the border of the Congo, holding my flip phone up in the air, trying to get a signal. I got lost in the woods once, too, and not just any woods, but rather a rumor-shadowed forest in New England where satanic rituals were said to take place. It was the middle of the night. Our car had gone into a ditch, and it was so dark I couldn't see my hands in front of my face. I was desperate for light, but also afraid that I might catch a glimpse of unholy torches burning in the distance. 
Why I was there in the first place is a story for another day. In the opening chapter of Dante's Inferno, that late medieval work, the author also finds himself lost in the woods on the edge of hell. At the midpoint of the journey of life, Dante writes, I found myself in a dark forest, for the clear path was lost. Of course, this is an allegory for the person who's lost their way in life, strayed too far from the road, lost their sense of purpose. I've been lost in lots of different places, but never more so than when I was struggling with some personal existential crisis. Happens to all of us, eventually, that feeling of aimlessness. What am I supposed to be doing with my life? Why am I here? And Solomon, the author of Proverbs, aims to provide some direction to help us navigate our lives with a sense of purpose and integrity. The book of Proverbs is full of Proverbs, of course. We all have Proverbs that we live by, right? You can't make an omelet without breaking some eggs. Early bird gets the worm. A watched pot never boils. Or my personal favorite, Never put off until tomorrow what someone else can do for you today. <laughs> but the author of this book, Solomon, makes a, a specific distinction in this morning's text between good and bad advice, or as he would call it, wisdom and folly. In both cases, uh, a woman is calling out to an unnamed traveler who's lost. And one of these uh, characters, called Wisdom, invites the traveler into her home and sustains him with bread and wine that gives him insight for the journey ahead. And the other character is foolish and loud and demands attention, luring the traveler in with false promises. There are so many of these loud voices in our lives that call out to us, each of them promising us something. There are the voices on television or on the internet promise us happiness if we'll just buy whatever it is that they're selling. There are voices that tell us that we're not good enough or sexy enough or smart enough. No one ever tells me those things, but it does happen to people. Uh, and there are softer voices, the voices that we hear in this place that tell us that God loves us no matter what. There are voices that lead us astray when we're already lost, and there are voices that call us home. And sadly, as Solomon knows, the foolish voices are usually the loudest. Knowing the difference between wisdom and folly ought to be easy. Common sense, really. But maybe common sense, or conventional wisdom, if you will, is overrated. Maybe common sense and God's wisdom are not the same thing. Last weekend, I had a, a chance to visit some friends of mine uh, over in New Hampshire. And on Saturday, we took a couple of canoes down the Pemigewasset River for a friendly little boat race. Now, I was very much out of my element here, as you can imagine. I don't, I don't go outdoors very often, and I'd only been canoeing once before many years ago. 
But fortunately, I was paired up with my friend Will, who was a lot more experienced than I was. As I sat at the front of the canoe, I could hear his voice calling out directions from the back. And at first, I was a little annoyed, I admit, when you know, he kept correcting me and calling out orders. But as the voyage progressed and my two friends in the other boat kept on tipping over their canoe and falling out of it, I realized that he knew what he was talking about. He could read the flow of the water and adjust accordingly. But eventually, we did run into problems. The river, you see, was extremely shallow in places, leaving our canoe scraping against the rocks underneath until we'd stop moving altogether. And eventually, in spite of Will's expertise, we were lodged in place like a bath toy after the water goes down the drain, totally stuck. And the only thing to do at that point was get out of the boat and drag it into deeper water. And that wouldn't have been so bad, except that I decided to wear jeans and cowboy boots that day. My friends mocked me, laughed at me for lacking common sense. But that's how I roll. And even though I wasn't dressed for it, I, I offered to get out and help. You know, but Will kindly insisted that he would take care of it. Don't worry about it, he says. Just stay put. He pushed the boat and he dragged it through the water with everything he had. The weight of the canoe compounded by my own bulk, which is not insignificant. All the while refusing all of my offers to help. It was ridiculous. It was stupid. Contrary to all common sense. But common sense and God's wisdom are not the same thing. You see, he didn't say it, but I realized then that his insistence on dragging the canoe himself was an expression of concern for me. I wasn't dressed for the trip. And even though that was my fault, he wanted to make sure that I did not have to leave the boat. Up until this point, he'd been navigating the river by conventional wisdom. But now he'd abandoned all of that and followed his heart because he cared about my well-being. He's a good friend. Eventually, though, there was no choice. We were stuck. He just couldn't move the thing by himself. So I rolled up my jeans, stepped into the river in my leather cowboy boots, and while I may have looked ridiculous, wading through a foot of water in those things, they actually fared better than everyone else's sneakers, which got completely soaked and had to be thrown away. Still wearing the boots. Wearing them right now. So much for common sense, am I right? The world offers us all kinds of advice, right, for navigating our lives, for finding our way, but it's not real wisdom. Everyone's so eager to tell us about, you know, the right shoes to wear or the best way to lose weight, the newest tech that's going to change our lives or the five habits of successful leaders, as though copying Elon Musk's breakfast regimen is somehow going to turn me into a wealthy CEO. Just follow these steps, the foolish woman from Proverbs cries out, and you'll be more productive. If you're more productive, you'll be more successful. And if you're more successful, you'll have more money. And if you have more money, you'll be happy. Got to break an egg to make an omelet. The early bird gets the worm. 
and whoever dies with the most toys wins. These are the proverbs that we're taught to live by, but this conventional wisdom has nothing to do with love. It reflects culture. And like the currents of a river, culture is always changing. As the philosopher Heraclitus once said, you can't stand in the same river twice. The cultural norm of what is or is not acceptable in 21st century America always seems to be shifting. It seems to be changing almost daily because nobody can agree on anything. The sad passing of Aretha Franklin this week, that remarkable talent and cultural icon offered us a rare moment of collective grief, a sorrow that we could all feel and agree on as if we could pretend for just a moment that we are not a nation divided by racism and sexism and all kinds of other things. But those moments of rare agreement tend to be fleeting. Our cultural values are wildly inconsistent. The zeitgeist is unstable. And navigating that river without getting lost requires firm principles that don't change with the current. Allow me another metaphor here. Conventional wisdom is kind of like a compass. A compass always points towards magnetic north. I don't even know what way north is. Which is behind me? That way. I don't know. I need a compass. It points towards magnetic north, okay? But magnetic north can change pretty dramatically because it follows changes in the Earth's core. And given enough time, you can actually watch the needle on a compass shift. It's not entirely reliable. True north, or geographic north, on the other hand, is a fixed point in the middle of the Arctic Ocean. It never changes. It never moves. It's a reliable constant. And in that regard, it's a lot like God's love embodied in Jesus. And that love is reflected in Proverbs that look a little different. The last shall be first, and the first shall be last. Blessed are the poor. Store up your treasures in heaven. Love your enemies. This is wisdom rooted in love, the kind of wisdom that can help us find our way when we're lost. I once heard someone, one of our own church members, offer a a beautiful proverb of his own. When faced with a dilemma or a fork in the road, he said, I ask myself, what would love do? That is real wisdom. And it stands in stark contrast to more conventional wisdom, that faulty compass that looms large and tall in our lives like a giant Ferris wheel, always turning, often pointing us in the wrong direction. After about an hour or so of panic and terror at the Durham Fair, my parents still hadn't found me. But just as the sky was growing dark, my mother caught a glimpse of my 
small silhouette framed against the setting sun. I was standing in a clearing a little way from the rest of the crowd, staring up at this enormous Ferris wheel. I was transfixed by the sheer size of it, by the colored lights that drew my eyes, by the hypnotic way it turned, as if to say, you who are simple, come over here. It seemed like a wondrous thing to me, but it had led me astray. I was lost, and I was alone. And it was love, only love, that found me with tears of relief, held me close, and took me home. Amen. <laughs>